1: Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com
2: Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 633. Well, some superlatives on our show today, including the reddest songbird and the smallest shorebird. And we'll start off with, one, a story about why some say that in the summer, bee-watching can beat bird-watching. Two, a birds in the news report. And three, some shocking bird behavior. Here we go. (laughs) About the idea that bee watching can maybe beat bird watching in the summer? Well, that's what naturalist Jim Gilbert, writing in the Star Tribune up in Minneapolis, seems to think. He says bee watching is like bird watching without the binoculars. He moves to within a foot of the bees at the flowers of alfalfa and clover, and wild and garden roses, and he claims to be able to put together a list of 100 flowering plants that provide nectar to what he calls his VIPs. Very important. Pollinators. A little bit more on that topic later in the show. And he also points out that he finds honeybees even in dense urban environments because some beekeepers raise bees on the rooftops in cities. And here are some things that Jim Gilbert says he's learned studying bees this way. Bees can zip along pretty quickly, about 15 miles an hour. About a pound of honey is consumed yearly per capita in the U.S. Now this one's kind of astounding. He says honeybees from the same hive visit how many flowers per day? About 225,000. Kind of helps explain how honeybees can be the number one pollinators for vegetable crops and orchards and finally this stat seems astounding too although in a different way maybe how much honey do you think a single honeybee can produce in its lifetime how much honey can a single honeybee produce in its lifetime what do you think tim Uh, i'm gonna say 300 gallons whoa 300 gallons yeah that would really be something um (laughs) I wasn't going to say that much, but I was going to say a lot more than what the answer is. I have to admit, the answer, according to Jim Gilbert, is one twelfth of a teaspoon. Oh, yeah, you were off just by a you <laughs> just know, a little, just bit. a few <laughs> gallons there. Yeah, one one twelfth of a teaspoon is what one honeybee produces in its lifetime. No wonder hmm. uh, we need so many of them. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty amazing. All right, birds in the news. You may have seen this story on our Facebook page. There's a beautiful bird that's causing trouble out in California. It's called the Pintailed Whitta, a gorgeous songbird native to Sub-Saharan Africa with a streaming tail that's maybe twice the length of the male bird's body. But where it comes from doesn't explain why this bird is causing trouble. It's the fact that this species from the pet trade, after being released or escaping from captivity, does what brown-headed cowbirds do. It lays its eggs in other birds' nests. Yes, it's a brood parasite whose egg-laying technique fools foster parents into raising the whittas young, often at the expense of its own offspring. One hopeful note, scientists say that the pin-tailed is not a good flyer, does not migrate, and may not be good at crossing bodies of water, so any invasion may be somewhat localized. Uh, Let's hope so. Well, that's our amazing bird behavior theme music. But the following is really more like shocking bird behavior. In fact, it could be a bit disturbing for some listeners, so you might want to turn your radio down for the next minute or so. The story is about ducks, mallards to be precise which have been observed chasing, capturing, and devouring fledgling songbirds. Zoologists at the University of Cambridge filmed a group of mallard ducks hunting other birds on a reservoir in Romania. Two fledglings, a gray wagtail and a black redstart, were chased and swallowed when they landed in the water. Mallards, one of the most abundant types of wild duck all around the world, normally eat seeds, acorns, berries, plants, insects, and occasionally small fish. But fledgling birds? Scientists are puzzled since they say this activity has never been documented before and is probably a new behavior. Although mallards in California have been seen entering the ocean to feed on sand crabs, maybe to find new sources of high-energy protein. The researchers say the same thing may be happening at that Romanian reservoir. And a shocking behavior there. Well, that is not a mallard. That's a mystery bird for today's Talking Birds Mystery Bird Contest. And this is a preview to get you ready for the actual contest, which will come along just a little bit later in the show. Some clues for our mystery bird Of all the shorebirds in the world, this one is the smallest. It has a short neck, a moderately long bill, and moderately long legs. It's a mottled brown color on the back in summer. Gray in winter with a white belly and yellow-green legs. Our bird breeds in northern Canada and Alaska. Winters in the southern U.S. and down to northern South America. It feeds mostly on insects on mudflats and along the edges of inland ponds, and it does not eat small songbird fledglings. That's our mystery bird, but that's our, uh, just our, our uh, teaser, okay? This is the, the actual contest. Uh, we'll come along just uh, a little bit later in the show. Well, in the Talking Birds mailbag, we find a card and a note and a book sent to us by Anna down in Cedar Creek, Texas. This is one of these clever little advice from nature cards. This one is advice from a penguin. Dive into life. Find warmth among friends. Appreciate snow days, take long walks, stand together, go the extra mile, and keep your cool. Advice from a penguin. And Anna has some lovely notes here about our show. She says we live near Austin, Texas, and yesterday had four painted buntings at our feeder, along with both a black-chinned and a ruby-throated hummingbird and a roadrunner family of three in her yard. Wow. Wow. And she says, enjoy your Galapagos trip. So she sent us a beautiful book by the great John Kreitzer, Galapagos, uh, Natural History. She said she had this book about the Galapagos that she read prior to their trip in 2006. We don't need it anymore, she says, and I thought you might want it. That is just lovely. Thank you, Anna. And I know our knowledge of the Galapagos, slim though it may be, will be enhanced by this uh, great John Kreitzer book. Stay tuned, to Birds listeners, for a little 60-second announcement about our upcoming Galapagos trip and how you could join us.
1: Extra, extra, read all about it.
2: Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. A tiny fossil reveals what happened to birds after the disappearance of other dinosaurs. New findings suggest that birds made a quick comeback after their relatives died off 66 million years ago. We'll hook you up to the ScienceMag.org story. Why the relative safety of tree cavities for nesting birds offers yet another reason to preserve old growth forests. We'll link you to that info from Phys.org. That's P-H-Y-S. And a Hungarian hospital is doing some amazing work helping injured birds once again take to the skies. We'll connect you to that story from the Reuters news agency. And that's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. Not a Facebook user? Well, you can also find those stories through an online search. Here's our conservation salute of the week. I'm returning to the subject of the birds and the bees for a moment. Our salute goes to Congressman John Conyers, Jr. of Michigan and Congressman Earl Blumenauer of Oregon for introducing the Saving America's Pollinators Act of 2017, which directs the Environmental Protection Agency to suspend registration of a toxic group of pesticides called neonicotinoids, or neonics. These chemicals are now the most commonly used insecticides on Earth, and they are deadly to birds and bees and aquatic life. The American Bird Conservancy is part of a coalition of conservation organizations, beekeepers, scientists, and business leaders that has asked the EPA to suspend the four most toxic neonics until a comprehensive study of their effects on wildlife and people is completed. ABC says that one seed coated with these insecticides is enough to kill a songbird. One seed. And our Talking Birds conservation salute goes to representatives Conyers and Blumenauer for introducing this bill that we hope will get those neonics out of our ecosystem. Well, thanks to amazing Talking Birds listeners all over the U.S., there are now just a few states not represented by Talkin' Birds ambassadors. Here's a little song about one of them.
0: My father gave me Montana And all I am, all I'll ever be Comes from this gift he gave to me Montana.
2: So hello Treasures State talking Birds listeners We'd love you to represent your great state as a talking Birds ambassador And we hope you will and talking Birds listeners, wherever you are, in the states or elsewhere, please consider joining our Ambassadors program. Just hand out some of our info cards to your friends and associates to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. It's easy to do and easy to sign up for. Just click on the contact button at TalkinBirds.com. There's no G in talking there. And choose the Become an ambassador. Option. That's the Become an Ambassador option via the contact button at talkingbirds.com. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor at the famous Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, in our Let's Ask Mike segment, talking about hummingbirds and why they won't land on your hand. Also this morning, our famous mystery bird contest produces a droll Yankees feeder for a listener who can suss out the identity of our our mystery bird or get lucky in a drawing if no correct answer is received. And up next, a bird whose very name, says Summer, is today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend presented by Bird Watching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Bird Watching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Well, nothing evokes the feeling of summer in a bird like having the word summer in the bird's name. As with today's featured feathered friend, the summer tanager. The male summer tanager, a medium-sized songbird, looks a lot like a scarlet tanager, except more scarlet. In fact, the male summer tanager is the only entirely red bird in North America. The female summer tanager, like its scarlet tanager relative, isn't red at all. It's kind of a greenish-yellow. As for its feeding behavior, the summer tanager specializes in capturing bees and wasps. And when it catches a bee, it beats it against a branch to kill it, then rubs it on the branch to remove the stinger. Here's the song of our featured feathered friend, the summer tanager. The Summer Tanager, our featured feathered friend, here on Talking Birds. Hey, just a quick word about our Talking Birds newsletter that we call The Trumpeter. It's relatively new, and we send it out electronically every couple of weeks. It has lots of interesting stories. Little profiles about uh, the guests on our show, and pictures and videos and all kinds of stuff like that. And we'd like to invite you to become a subscriber to our uh, to our newsletter, The Trumpeter. It's pretty easy to get that uh, newsletter. In fact, it's, it's very easy. Just go to our website, TalkingBirds.com. That's TalkingBirds.com. And at the top of the page, you'll see that subscribe button. And what you would do there is click on that subscribe button. And that would be how you could subscribe to... Our newsletter. It's free, comes out every couple of weeks. And of course, you can unsubscribe anytime you like. And here's the other thing all through the month of July, we've kind of extended this little uh, contest. Uh, We're going to have a drawing every week and uh, draw the name of another winner of a big bag of birds and beans, bird friendly, shade grown coffee. It's great coffee, and it also helps the birds survive and thrive down in the wintering grounds in the tropics. So subscribe to our newsletter and uh, get in the drawing for some of that beautiful, delicious birds and beans, bird-friendly, shade-grown coffee. Just hit the subscribe button there at TalkingBirds.com. Meanwhile, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Well, Talkin' Birds listeners, we're getting ready to go to the Galapagos Islands. We'll be heading there in September, and we're inviting Talkin' Birds listeners to join us for this trip of a lifetime with one of the best small group touring companies on the planet, Sunrise Birding. More cabins have been added, but this trip will be sold out, so don't hesitate. Travel with us to one of the most amazing places in the world, home to abundant and approachable wildlife, including birds that are found nowhere else on Earth, even Galapagos penguins with whom we'll snorkel. They're the islands where Charles Darwin's research led to the groundbreaking theory of the origin of species, and we'll be there during the season when sunshine is abundant and birds and mammals are most active. Galapagos veterans rave about our tour's itinerary. We'll see places and creatures that other tours don't. I'll be your host for this unforgettable trip, along with expert local guides. Please join us. It's easy to find out more at sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com. Talking Birds is made possible in part by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, a world leader in the study, appreciation, and conservation of birds. Please check them out at birds.cornell.edu. That's birds.cornell.edu. If you're not hearing our Sunday morning show live, we're live here on Sunday mornings, 9.30 to 10 Eastern Time. You think you can't enter our mystery bird contest. Well... Not so. Just go to our website. That one we've we've mentioned several times. I hope we're not overdoing it, and I apologize if we are, but TalkingBirds.com is our website. You can just go there and see how to hear our show live online so you could do things like enter the Mystery Bird Contest. Uh, By the way, you can search for our show on iTunes or Google Play Uh, if you want to listen to our podcasts. And if they're not in your favorite podcasting app, uh, please do let us know. Okay, Mystery Bird Contest. Here's the sound of our mystery bird. Sounds kinda small. Of all the shorebirds in the world, this one is the smallest. It has a short neck, a moderately long bill, and moderately long legs. It's a mottled brown color on the back in summer. Gray in winter, with a white belly and yellow-green legs, our bird breeds in northern Canada and Alaska, and winters in the southern U.S. and down to northern South America. It feeds mostly on insects on mudflats and along the edges of inland ponds. Um, Our prize the Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder. Everybody loves this feeder. It lets you see the birds up close with an unobstructed view, ideal for sparking children's curiosity and helping them learn about their backyard birds. It has three strong suction cups that attach the feeder right to your window. And it holds two cups of seed or fruit or suet or mealworms. That would be our prize on our mystery bird contest. What do you think our bird is? Tell us definitively or take a guess if no correct answer is received. We'll do a drawing and we'll still give away that Droll Yankees Observer window feeder. The number to call is 781-837-4900. And please don't wait, 781-837-4900. We may do a little bonus question on the mystery bird contest today. We haven't done one of those in a while. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, heading to Cape Cod, check in with Mike O'Connor at the Bird Watcher's General Store. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Now, a word from our friends at Birdwatching Magazine. Are you interested in seeing birds in Cuba? Join Birdwatching Magazine and David Sibley for a bird survey in Cuba on December 7th through the 16th. The itinerary will take you to Cuba's finest bird habitats, beautiful national parks, diverse biosphere reserves, and unique natural areas. You'll interact with local scientists and naturalists who work in research and conservation. Space is limited. For more information, go to birdwatchingdaily.com or qbirds.org. That's C-U-B-I-R-D-S
0: dot org. There's a part of our world that we pay little attention to. An ant drags a seed five times its own size. And a bee sips from a drop of dew. And down here, toxic chemicals and carcinogens are leaching into our environment. They come from objects that we look past every day. Littered cigarette butts. Every one is a tiny, toxic waste site. Let's stop the toxic litter. Learn more at rethinkbutts.org.
2: That would be the musical signal, that it's time for Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment down there at the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, where the sun is shining and summer has returned. Good morning, Mike.
0: Uh, good morning, Ray. I'm always happy to follow a toxic litter ad.
2: <laughs> yeah, we kind of planned it that way, but... Uh... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, summertime, and uh, among the things we think of at uh, summer certainly is uh, hummingbirds. And you have a lot of people coming in doing what most of your customers do pretty much all the time, which is complain <laughs> about whatever is the problem <laughs> <laughs> and blaming
0: right. it on and you. You're 100% right. Yeah, that's <laughs> what they specialize in. And um, I know in the little trailer you said something about uh, hummingbirds wouldn't come to your hand, and and, and they do in certain areas, hmm. but. My customers here on the Cape and I think a lot of places here in the East see these uh, YouTube videos where hummingbirds like come by the hundreds to a feeder or, or somebody will have a little tiny hummingbird feeder and they'll put it in their hand and they get all kinds of hummingbirds landing on it. Mm. While that does exist, so don't send me letters saying I'm wrong, that does exist. It's only in certain locations and typically it's out west from the south where there's either due to migration or a shortage of food a congregation of hummingbirds is we know the hummingbirds are extremely territorial over food and they don't like each other's company and so you put out a hummingbird feeder here and one hummingbird will come and then, and then if another one tries to come in they chase it out of the way so it's we're kind of stuck with one or two birds Coming to our feeders, and they're not going to get those dozens eating out of hand like you get maybe in Colorado or mm-hmm. somewhere in Texas or Louisiana or California.
2: Like, like there in Cedar Creek, where we heard from Anna, she had uh, black chin hummingbirds and ruby throated hummingbirds I know it. in her yard. I know, Along I know.
0: I know. We're all, everybody here in the East is jealous of the hummingbirds that you get in the other parts of the country. It's really, it's not fair. we got to do something about that, right?
2: Yeah, and we don't have any roadrunners around here either. <laughs> I haven't noticed any.
0: But, any you know, and, and, and now that they the birds have, like June is kind of a quiet hummingbird month around here. And now that the birds have hatched and the babies are flying and the migration starting again, we'll see more hummingbirds. And if you want to break up those fights or maybe even get more hummingbirds, keep a few more hummingbirds happy, put out a few feeders. Now, I know it sounds like I'm always trying to sell feeders, but in this case, it's not a bad idea. If you put one, say, by the kitchen window on the other side of the house, by the bedroom window or living room window or someplace like that, where one hummingbird can't dominate the feeder situation, then you might be able to actually get a few more ex- hummingbirds coming. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I know around Mother's Day, everybody's coming in, you know, wanting to get Mom a little hummingbird feeder with a bird's feed out of their hand. And I said, you can buy it, but, you know, just having Mom sit outside for five minutes, it's, <laughs> it's not going to work. Please, <laughs> least here in the East, although it would be kind of a funny picture, but it's yeah. probably not going to work unless she wants to go down to Cedar Creek or one of those.
2: Down, down to Cedar Creek, just outside of Austin there in, in Texas. Hey, we have a little bit of extra time. To do a little quick thing, if you would, about goldfinches, because uh, people may not know, goldfinches really um, nest very late in the season, like now.
0: Correct. Yeah. Most, most birds nest in the spring, and they try to time it with the insect blooms where the insects are coming out, and so they can feed their babies insects. That's why t- a lot of times feeders are quiet, like in May and June. Mm-hmm. But the goldfinches, who are strict vegetarians, they don't eat any insects, so they kind of wait later in the year till some of the seeds are available. And now they're just setting up their nests. And I just saw one uh, a female gathering nesting material just now in whatever, what, the middle of July. And mm-hmm. pretty much everybody's kind of shutting it down for the season in terms of nesting. These guys are just cranking it up because they're seed eaters. They've just finished the molt. So they kind of lost, you know, how they got all pretty in the spring. Now they have to save energy, get their energy back so they can get into their breeding cycle. So they, they put it off till later in the year, till they've rested after the molt, until and all, a lot of the weed seeds stop popping up. And now they get going. So if you have a little bit of cotton or any kind of a fuzzy material, clip that out with a clothespin. I still think they make clothespins. Clip that out there on, in your yard, and the birds will pluck it off and make make. Uh, stop building their nests it's kind of fun because we've forgotten about nesting season because it's past but we're going for
2: the gold finishes alright thanks for that top quality uh, information Mike and uh, next week do clothespins still exist we'll <laughs> thank you Mike watch you next week
0: alright
2: Mike O'Connor down there at the Bird Watchers General Store the Amazon's rainforest
0: is being cut down so fast that by 2030 55% of it could be completely wiped out the earth's forests can't speak up when they need help but we can be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org.
2: Back here now at the Mystery Bird Contest trying to identify this mystery bird. Of all the shorebirds in the world, this one is the smallest. It has a short neck, a moderately long bill, moderately long legs, a model brown color in the back in summer, and gray in winter with a white belly and yellow-green legs. What is it? It's 781-837-4900 is the number. and We have Jeremy out in Seattle, Washington. Good morning, Jeremy.
0: Good morning, Ray. How are you doing?
2: I'm uh, doing well. Nice to hear from you, and thanks for calling in from Seattle. And uh, Jeremy, what do you think on our uh, mystery bird?
0: I believe we have a leased sandpiper this week.
2: I believe we uh, have one. As a matter of fact, we don't actually have one, but uh, we are okay, talking
0: about f- Yeah, that's probably
2: better. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it, uh, it probably is. Yes, leased sandpiper. And we gave a pretty good clue there when we said it is the smallest shorebird in the world. So you weren't going to say, you know, a great anything or it's that kind of thing. Right? right? no,
0: Exactly. At least mm. kind of. least is a good, a good little clue. In <laughs> in itself, good yeah.
2: Hey, would you like to try our bonus question, uh, Jeremy?
0: Sure, I love a good bonus question. Let's let's
2: hear it. All right. Here's the question: What is the only penguin that nests north of the equator? What is the only penguin that nests north of the equator? Is it a the rockhopper penguin? B the Gentoo penguin, C the Galapagos penguin, or D the Pittsburgh penguin? Rimshot. No, Rimshot. <laughs> I think it's actually. Is it C? The Galapagos the penguin? penguin, I believe. Uh, oh, the Gal- oh.
0: Galapagos. Excuse me. Yes.
2: Oh, okay, you gave the right uh, letter, but the wrong bird. But so we'll count that as right. a as a win. The Galapagos <laughs> <Thank you>. <laughs> <laughs> penguin is right. we This is. what's kind of. Uh, We're kind of making a little tease out of this about our Galapagos trip. This is our way of giving it. Oh,
0: sure, absolutely. You you definitely should. Sounds like a great trip. Give another
2: Mm. extra plug. Yes, indeed. Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much. Uh, Stay on the line there if you would, and uh, we'll get uh, that Droll Yankees feeder out to you.
0: Certainly will. Thank you, Ray. appreciate it.
2: Okay. Jeremy, thank you out there in Seattle, Washington, correctly identifying uh, the least sandpiper and also the only penguin that nests north of the equator, the Galapagos penguin. How is that possible? Well, the Galapagos Islands actually straddle the equator about 600 miles west of Ecuador. And so some of the islands there are a little bit north of the equator. And the penguins are right there on those islands. So if you'll forgive another little plug about our trip, our Galapagos trip, we'll be doing that uh, in September. And you can still join us there. It will be a truly amazing trip to one of the most fascinating places in the world, the Galapagos Islands. You could look it up. And you could also go to sunrisebirding.com and find out all about our trip and uh, why you might want to join in. It's a really wonderful touring company, by the way, sunrisebirding.com. That's it. Well, next week on our show, Dylan Bartles, a biological science technician and a talking Birds ambassador, will talk about his work at the Lake Andes National Wildlife Refuge out in Charles Mix County, South Dakota. Dylan will be on our show next week to tell us uh, what he does out there and why the Lake Andes National Wildlife Refuge is a place maybe we all should uh, go out and visit. Meantime, that is uh, all the time we have for our show this morning. Thanks to Mark Duffield, Debbie Bleacher, and our engineer and uh, important contributor to our show this morning, Tim McKinney. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week.
1: And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.